Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, I am so excited to say that the NFL season is finally here. NFL Week 1 has finally come and gone. And guys, like we're going to do from now on here on the Cover 7 podcast, we're going to do weekly recaps and previews for every single week of college football and NFL. So make sure to always check it out. But guys, today's episode, we're going to be talking about NFL Week 1. Now guys, before we do start today's podcast, I do want to ask you to please make sure that you check out also, uh, Anchor.fm's monthly supporter program, which it's five, it's it's a uh, my bad, it's four ninety nine a month, but it helps me better the podcast for you guys, quality wise, everything like that, and it allows me to be able to continue to do this stuff for y'all and be able to give y'all up to date news and everything like that involving the football and sports world. Anyway, guys, let's get right to it and let's talk some NFL football. Now, the first game that we had on NFL Week One slate was Thursday Night Football on NBC, taking place in Los Angeles. We had the Buffalo Bills traveling out west to take on the reigning Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Bills in this game were favored. I think it was it wasn't two and a half. I think it was three and a half points. The Bills are favored by three and a half points to win the game. And boy, man, did they win by a little bit more than three and a half over the Rams. But to start off this game, you could tell right away that the pace that the Bills are bringing off, it's just the Rams' defense could not handle. Despite getting guys like Bobby Wagner, you know, you still had Jalen Ramsey, you re-signed him, you kept Aaron Donald from going into retirement. The you know the Rams, the Rams' defense just could not keep up to this electric Buffalo Bills offense. As Stephon Diggs, the leading receiver for the Bills, had an absolutely fantastic day, as he had eight receptions on 122 yards with one touchdown. The longest play he had was a 50-yard, 53-yard bomb by Josh Allen, with with Stephon Diggs falling into the end zone on Jalen Ramsey. And I mean. Jalen Ramsey just was not showing Jalen Ramsey type of play for the Rams. Just blew a lot of coverages. Just I don't know. Just something seemed off about this Rams team during this Thursday night game. Now, yes, it is week one, so let's not completely freak out and act like the Rams season is over. They were playing arguably the best team in the NFL right now with the Buffalo Bills. They're playing potentially the the future MVP of the NFL and Josh Allen who had a absolutely fantastic day. You know, 26 for 31, 297 yards passing, three touchdowns. He did have two picks, but they were kind of in picks. One of them involved literally Isaiah McKenzie giving the football to a Rams defender. But anyway, despite that, Josh Allen absolutely went off. He had a Derrick Henry-type stiff arm as well on a Rams cornerback. And, I mean, Josh Allen literally proved that he was worth the huge contract that the Bills gave him. Was it, was it last offseason? Or that they gave him in the offseason regardless. And obviously, Stephon Diggs backed it up as well. And, you know, they just were very solid all the way around. Gabriel Davis as well, who kind of emerged last year in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills. He had a fantastic day as well alongside Stephon Diggs as he went as he had four receptions on 88 yards and one touchdown as well. So all around, Buffalo just dominated this game. They would go on to beat the Rams 31-10. to But let's kind of talk a little bit about the Rams and some of the struggles that they definitely showed at the beginning of the game. Now, as, now as we all know, the huge headline going into this game was definitely the fact that Matthew Stafford had a, I think it was a shoulder injury earlier in the offseason to help repair an issue that he was dealing with all last year. You know, played with it all last year, dealt with the pain and everything like that, and still balled out. So, you know, if you're a Rams fan or just an NFL person in general, you're probably thinking, okay, cool, you know, Matthew Stafford's fine. He's just going to continue to, you know, kind of play at the same level he did. 
well, something tonight just did not seem right with Matthew Stafford. Is now statistically was not the worst game possible. He did. He had 29. He he was 29 for 41 with 240 yards passing, one touchdown, and threw three very costly interceptions, and had a QBR of 20.9. Now, if you're wondering what QBR is, it kind of evaluates a quarterback and grades them on a scale from one to a hundred. So obviously not a very solid game for uh, Matthew Stafford, but there's something obviously there that's still bothering him a little bit. You can tell because there were certain throws that, you know, he just that was kind of uncharacteristic. He was off target a lot. And also another thing that I heard when I was listening to the radio a little bit, you know, the Rams, they really didn't give him any type of deep ball passes that we kind of got accustomed to seeing the Rams do last year with guys like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson early on in the uh, 2021 campaign. So... It was a little bit interesting not seeing that, but the one bright spot that the Rams did have in this game was once again Cooper Cup, the reigning offensive player of the year last year, uh, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, dude just absolutely bought out in this game, and he pretty much he gave pretty much L.A. the only points this ha- they had this game as Cooper Cup had 13 receptions, which tied a career high on 128 yards, one touchdown with 15 targets. Yeah, Cooper Cup pretty much was this whole team's offense. Now, Daryl Henderson, uh, he didn't have a really bad night at all. You know, Cam Akers, who was still coming off a torn ACL, and definitely, you know, the Rams were not going to want to rush him back into the offense. So, Daryl Henderson had a pretty solid game himself. He had 13 carries for 47 yards with a long of 18 yards. So, could be a little bit better, but when you actually watch the game, he, he was definitely helping the Rams move the ball down the field. Now, another headline I want to talk about in this game was the fact that Vaughn Miller was returning back to L.A. where he won his second Super Bowl. And, man, I know I want to first talk about this. Why does Vaughn Miller have a triangle on the back of his head? He has no hair everywhere else on his head except the back of his head kind of near his neck. He has this weird triangle. I don't know if it's a style now. I figure there's probably going to be a lot more people wearing it. But I just had to assess that because I kind of went viral at the beginning of the game. But anyway... Despite having a triangle, Vaughn Miller balled out. He had two sacks very early on in the game. He absolutely was destroying the left side of that Rams offensive line. Joseph Noteboom, who, which kind of hurts me as a TCU fan, but he just seemed to be no match for Vaughn Miller and was definitely a huge reason and why that Bills defense absolutely destroyed that Rams offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Rams do bounce back from this game. I do think they'll still be a very solid team. They do have a lot of bright spots. They are still a very young team, but there's a lot of things they've got to fix. Matthew Stafford, his injury concerns are something definitely to look at because obviously something was just not right for the veteran coming off of a Super Bowl winning season. But anyway, guys, that was it for Thursday. So we did have to wait a little bit, and finally Sunday came around, and it did not disappoint at all either. Now the first game I want to talk about for Sunday's slate of games is going to be between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now this game was a overtime thriller. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers now with their new quarterback, and his not name his name is not Ben Roethlisberger. Mitchell Trubisky traveled to Cincinnati to take on the Joe Burrow led Bengals, and this was definitely not Joe Burrow's day at all, as he definitely struggled heavily when it came to the passing game. As he went 33 for 53, 338 yards passing, two touchdowns, and a whopping four interceptions and one fumble on the day. 
yeah, it was definitely not a good day for Joe Burrow, especially considering that he just came off a Super Bowl appearance last season with the Bengals. Now, Joe Mixon had himself a pretty solid day. He had 27 carries for 82 yards. Jamar Chase did Jamar Chase things as he had 10 receptions for 129 yards with one touchdown. Now, on the opposite side when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitchell Trubisky had a very solid day. Statistically, it does not look the best, but he did have a very decent day. He went 21 for 38 with 194 yards passing and one touchdown, which would end up leading the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cincinnati Bengals in an overtime thriller. Now, some some of the kind of notes you want to take away from this game is that Mitchell Trubisky looked very solid. He definitely looks like a starting quarterback in this league. And another thing, and kind of unfortunate for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they dealt with a lot of injuries as well, and so did the Cincinnati Bengals. But one of the main injuries that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers had was uh, T.J. Watt coming off the field with what looked like a torn peck. You know, he mouthed it to the staff, and hopefully everything's okay with T.J. Watt, but definitely something that is going to be concerning for Steelers fans and their defense. Now, Cincinnati on the opposite side, they had a concussion to T. Higgins, which did not look good at all. He, he would not uh, come back into the game at all after he did suffer what is apparently a concussion. Excuse me. Joe Mixon was limping around a little bit. It seemed like he, you know, someone fell on his leg. So right now, both of these teams are probably going to be dealing with some, definitely some tenderness and really just some some injury issues, but nothing less. Pittsburgh played an amazing game despite their kickers apparently not knowing how to kick any field goals because Evan McPherson not only missed one, but he missed twice. That would have led the Cincinnati Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers, but. Once again, Pittsburgh took advantage as they would kick a game-winning field goal over the Cincinnati Bengals with a final score of 23-20, to Pittsburgh over Cincinnati. Now, the next game that I want to talk about is going to be the New Orleans Saints taking on the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. It's a new era in New Orleans as Sean Payton is no longer the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, now their defensive coordinator, which is now their head coach, Dennis Allen. It's his first game as the head coach of the Saints. And then for Atlanta, they don't have Matt Ryan anymore. It's Officially, they're done with the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones era as they now have Marcus Mariota as their starting quarterback. And both quarterbacks in this game had pretty solid games. Jameis Winston for the New Orleans Saints, he went 23 for 34, 269 yards passing with two touchdowns and had a pretty solid day. And then Marcus Mariota, you know, despite not recording a passing touchdown, he had he went 20 for 33, 215 yards. Now, when it came to rushing for Atlanta, this was really where they made where they made their money. Cordell Patterson, who's kind of emerged as one of the best running backs, especially fantasy running backs in all of, of the NFL, he had an absolutely amazing day as he had 22 carries for 120 yards with one touchdown. Now, Marcus Mariota also had himself a pretty solid day running as he had 12 carries for 72 yards with one touchdown, but. Ultimately, that would not be enough as the New Orleans Saints would go on to beat the Atlanta Falcons 27-26, to which would give Dennis Allen his first win as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Now, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about the 49ers traveling up to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears, led by Justin Fields. Now, we know San Francisco, their, their new quarterback now is Trey Lance, their third overall pick in the 2021 draft. And the headline of this game for the Chicago game was the fact that Soldier Field, the football field itself, was literally soaked. 
I mean, there was standing water on the field. It literally looked like they were playing in a slip and slide throughout the whole game. Offenses were not really existent for the most part of this game, especially the first half when the 49ers were the only team to score in the first half. But nothing less, Chicago just found something within them, especially in the second half as Justin Fields would lead the Bears to a win as he went 8 for 17, passing with 121 yards, passing with two touchdowns, one pick. And he also did have a very solid, I mean, not great, but he did have a decent time running as he had 11 carries for 28 yards. But, you know, on the opposite side with Trey Lance, Trey Lance had a okay day considering the, the weather circumstances they were dealing with as he went 13 for 28 with 164 yards passing and one interception. He also led the 49ers in rushing with 54 yards. So despite that, it was a pretty eh game to watch just, excuse me, due to the fact that there really wasn't a lot of offense to be played due to how bad the weather conditions were. But for Chicago, one of the few bright spots they did, that they did have in this game was Roquan Smith, their star linebacker, who had requested a trade earlier in the offseason. Now he decided he'd play his final year out with the Bears, and he absolutely balled out as he had nine total tackles, seven solo, and half a sack. So definitely a good game for him. And But San Francisco, who was heavily favored to beat the Bears, would would actually end up getting, not blown out, but they would end up losing to the Chicago Bears in the Windy City 19-10 as it now improves Chicago to 1-0 on the year and San Francisco 0-1. Now the next game we're going to talk a little bit about, it is going to be the Philly, oh my lord, I almost said the Philly, the Philadelphia Eagles traveling up to Detroit to take on the Dan Campbell-led Detroit Lions. There's a lot. There was a lot of expectations going into this year for Philadelphia, as they had one of the best off, not off offenses. They had one of the best off seasons in the NFL this year, and they were looking to absolutely make a splash, especially against a team that does not have close to as much talent as they did have. Now, this game at first was kind of confusing because when you looked at the first quarter and you saw Detroit was leading seven to zip, you're like, "Holy shoot! Does Philadelphia not have an offense?" But when you got into the second quarter, you realized, okay, they actually are a very, and I mean very good team, as Jalen Hurts had himself a day going 18 for 32, 243 passing yards. He also ran for 17 carries, 90 yards, and one touchdown. And to add on top of that, the newly acquired A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans for the Philadelphia Eagles had himself a day as he had 10 receptions for 155 yards. And then on the opposite side, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, they didn't have themselves a bad day at all, considering the fact that they were playing a team that no one expected them to beat. It was one of their first sold-out crowds, and I forgot how many like how many years it was. Jared Goff didn't do horrible. He was 21 for 37, 215 yards passing, two touchdowns, and one interception. Now, for rushing-wise, DeAndre Swift had himself a very solid day, going for 15 carries, 144 rushing yards, and one touchdown. So the future is definitely bright for that offense for the Detroit Lions. Uh, excuse me, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was uh, Detroit's late-round pick in the 2021 draft. He had a great day as well, eight receptions for 64 yards and one touchdown. So there's a lot of spots, a lot of bright spots on this very young Detroit Lions team that I think will definitely help them in the future. But once again, they were outmatched by Philadelphia as Philadelphia would go on to beat the Detroit Lions 38-35 to as it improves Philadelphia to 1-0 on the season. And Detroit will fall to 0-1. But once again, Detroit Lion fans, keep your head up because this team definitely will be a very solid team for the rest of the year. 
Now, anyway, let's head down to Miami where the New Orleans, the New Orleans, the New England Patriots traveled to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. You know, Miami, once again, kind of similar to the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a very fantastic offseason. They went out and got Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead. They tried to improve a lot of the weapons around Tua. Now, Tua statistically in this game did very well, but there were a few concerning passes. One, most notably, I think a lot of y'all probably saw on Twitter where he absolutely missed a pass, but nothing less. Tua, for the most part, had a very solid day as he went 23 for 33, 270 yards passing with one touchdown. So, nothing too bad at all. And then Mac Jones, who had a lot of expectations because he's considered to be the franchise guy for the New England Patriots, had a very and day as he went 21 for 30, 213 yards passing one touchdown and one interception because statistically it doesn't always tell you the full story but definitely this was a game that the Miami Dolphins they had from the absolute get-go now when you look at rushing rushing yards really weren't a huge factor in this game you know Chase Edmonds had 25 yards for the uh, Miami Dolphins Damian Harris had 48 but when you look at receiving Tyreek Hill definitely showed out in his Miami Dolphins debut as he had eight receptions for 94 yards Jalen Waddle. Uh, the 2021 first-round pick of the Dolphins had four receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. And then on the opposite side, New England really didn't have a great offensive day as Jacoby Myers led the team in receiving with four receptions for 55 yards. So definitely was a very non-offensive game. But, you know, what could you expect? Honestly, I think Miami could have done a little bit better offensively. But overall, not a bad in my opinion, not a bad first impression for Mike McDaniel and his Miami Dolphins, especially Tyree Koo, who literally picked up right where he left off in Kansas City. Now, anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to discuss is going to be the Baltimore Ravens traveling up to New York MetLife Stadium and taking on the New York Jets. Now, the New York Jets, they did not have Zach Wilson in this game as he will be out the first four weeks of the season, which means that Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback and he's facing his old squad, who he won a Super Bowl with in the Baltimore Ravens. And a lot of people were kind of making this as a revenge tour, you know, with Joe Flacco playing the Ravens, Baker Mayfield playing the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, ultimately, it definitely did not go the way of the Jets, as Joe Flacco would go 37 for 59, 307 passing yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Once again, not statistically horrible, but we are talking about the New York Jets. Now, Lamar Jackson... That man had a lot to prove in this game. He declined a huge contract from the Baltimore Ravens, which actually got leaked earlier this morning on Sunday. And he wanted to make it known that he deserved to be getting paid up there with guys like Deshaun Watson, despite, you know, he won a MVP in 2019. But anyway, Lamar Jackson will go 13 or will go 17 for 30, 213 yards passing, three touchdowns and one interception with one of those touchdowns being a 55-yard dot to Rashad Bateman, who was the first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens in last year's draft class. So, very solid game for the Ravens, as they would absolutely blow out the New York Jets 24-9 to improve to 1-0 on the season. New York is probably going to be another brutally, and I mean very brutally, kind of bad season. I mean, Zach Wilson probably will be doing a lot with that injury, that knee injury he had. I don't think he'll be 100% by week four. And then also to add on top of that, I just think the Jets are just going to continue to be the Jets. So hopefully they do figure things out, and hopefully, you know, we see a lot of their rookies ball out. I know Sauce Gardner, I don't think he had the worst day at all. I didn't really I – was, I wasn't able to watch the Jets game because I'm not in the region. But from what I heard, he didn't have a very, like, very bad game at all. So at least that's good for the young rookie. And, you know, on Garrett Wilson's side, 
he was pretty much just, I mean, just non-existent. He also did have one fumble recovery. And then on the day he went, he had four receptions for 52 yards with a long of 19. So, once again, not horrible, but there's still a lot of improvement on this team. And once again, you got to give the Jets time. They're still a very young team. They still have a lot of pieces they've got to figure out. So, hopefully, you know, the Jets will be able to figure things out. Hopefully, Robert Sala will get, you know, the New York Jets going in the right direction. Now, the next game I want to talk about is going to be the Washington Commanders playing the Jacksonville Jaguars up at FedEx Field. Now, this is another kind of revenge game as Carson Wentz, the former Eagles number two overall pick in 2016, was playing his old head coach, Doug Peterson, who was now the uh, Jaguars head coach who had picked him back in 2016. So there's a lot that uh, Carson Wentz probably wanted to prove, and he was he did play very solid despite throwing two picks. His stat line looks 27 for 41 313 yards passing with four touchdowns and then those two picks and then Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars who's looking to bounce back from a you know horrifyingly bad uh, rookie year which wasn't all just due to him but at the same time he did make a lot of mental errors but anyway Trevor Lawrence would go 24 for 42 275 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception now for Jacksonville, the rush game was not horrible. Uh, James Robinson, he had 11 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Travis Etienne Jr., who made his NFL debut, he had four carries for 47 yards. And then on the flip side, Washington, their starting running back, Antonio Gibson, had 14 carries for 58 yards. And Curtis Samuel, who finally is starting to you know gain some traction despite a lot of injury issues, he had four carries for 17 yards. Now receiving, this is, this is kind of where most of the offense came. And speaking of receiving, Jahan Dodson, Washington Commanders, their first ever, with the name Commanders, their first ever first-round pick in Jahan Dodson out of Penn State. He actually got two his first two touchdowns in the NFL as, as Jahan would go with three receptions for 40 yards and two touchdowns. And then also another kind of key thing in this was the fact that Christian Kirk, the former Arizona Cardinals wide receiver who was given a huge, and I mean outlandishly huge contract by the Jaguars, he balled out today. He had six receptions for 117 yards, so he had a pretty solid day himself and was kind of backing up a little bit of that huge contract that the Jaguars gave him. But anyway, the Washington Commanders, led by Carson Wentz, would ultimately end up beating the Jaguars 28-22 to in what honestly was a pretty solid game by Carson Wentz. So hopefully, maybe Carson Wentz can find a home in Washington, maybe. I mean... Who knows, hopefully he can finally gain some traction with them. Now the next game I want to talk about, especially on this early slate, and kind of one of the more notable games that I know a lot of us were just absolutely waiting to watch, was the Carolina Panthers led by their new starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, taking on the Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns, who are their starting quarterback now, was Jacoby Brissett. So yeah, Carolina, especially in this game, was probably favored. In my opinion, I think they easily should have, but... Nothing less. This was a very, and I mean very bad game by Baker Mayfield. Statistically, excuse me, statistically it doesn't really show you all that much. Now, he did start to gain some more momentum in the second half, but that first half was absolutely horrific on Baker Mayfield's side as he went 16 for 27, 235 yards passing with one touchdown and then one horrifyingly bad pick that I posted on the Instagram for the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. But, you know, once again, 
He's in a whole new offense. He hadn't spent a lot of time with the with the Panthers, so hopefully he'll gain more traction later in the season. And on the flip side, Jacoby Brissett, who is going to be the starting quarterback for the Browns for the first 11 weeks of the season, while Deshaun Watson is serving his suspension. He went 18 for 34, 147 yards passing with one touchdown. So not a horrifyingly bad game by Jacoby, but definitely not his best. Now, Nick Chubb, fantasy owners, I know you're probably kind of upset that he didn't get a touchdown, but he had a very solid day in himself as Nick Chubb had 22 carries for 141 yards. Now, on the flip side, Christian McCaffrey didn't really do anything. He had 10 carries for 33 yards with one touchdown, so maybe that helped boost some of y'all's uh, fantasy, maybe that he got a touchdown, but yardage-wise, Christian McCaffrey was pretty much non-existent in this game. Now, for receiving-wise, Robbie Anderson of the Carolina Panthers, he had a very solid day. He had five receptions for 102 yards with one touchdown. Uh, DJ Moore, he had three receptions for th for uh, 43 yards. And then Christian McCaffrey also had four receptions for 24 yards. Now, for Cleveland, they didn't have a huge, obviously, as you could tell, Nick Chubb pretty much got most of their yardage, but they did have... You know, a decent passing game is uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones had six receptions for 60 yards. Kareem Hunt had four receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown. And that was really it for passing for the Cleveland Browns. You know, most of their offense came from the run game of Nick Chubb, but ultimately Cleveland would overcome the Carolina Panthers' late comeback as Cleveland would go on to beat the Panthers 26-24. to Now for our last game of the afternoon slate, we're going to be talking about the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Houston Texans and this game was a game that Indianapolis should have easily won you know obviously the Texans and all the drama they had with Deshaun Watson he's finally gone so now they're going to go full-time with Davis Mills who had an absolutely fantastic game passing because Davis Mills he went 23 for 37 240 yards passing with two touchdowns and looked like an absolute stud in this game now Matt Ryan Matt Ryan statistically had, was pretty good. He looked very average, but nothing less. Obviously, Matt Ryan is towards the end of his career regardless, but Matt Ryan went 32 for 50, 352 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Now, for the rushing game, I mean, I don't even have to, to really even say much about Jonathan Taylor after he won Offensive Player of the Year last year. He absolutely picked right off where he left with 31 carries for 161 yards rushing with one touchdown so Jonathan Taylor had himself a day now Houston led by their now starting running back Damian Pierce they didn't have a huge rushing game as Rex Burkhead actually led the team in rushing with 40 yards Damian Pierce had himself 33 but regardless Houston would come out of this game as they would eventually lead the Indianapolis Colts into overtime and they would eventually end up with the game tied so no one won this game this was the first tie of the season as Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans would tie at 20 apiece so that officially will wrap up the after the uh, early afternoon slate. So now let's talk a little bit about the early evening slate of games because this was definitely one of the best slates that we had of the days. We had games from Kansas City and Arizona. We had the Chargers playing the Raiders. But anyway, let's talk about the first matchup of this slate of games. Now the first game that I want to talk about is going to be the Green Bay Packers traveling up to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings, who in themselves had a pretty solid offseason. They went out and got former edge rusher from the Green Bay Packers, Zadarius Smith. They also went out and drafted pretty well. They got their kind of safety of the future and, and uh, uh, Georgia safety, Lewis Seen. So overall, Minnesota had a pretty good offseason, and, and as we know, for the Green Bay Packers, 
Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers decided to stay with the Packers instead of potentially being traded and everything like that. But him ultimately getting a pay raise meant in the fact that the uh, Green Bay Packers had to eventually trade away their star wide receiver, Devontae Adams, to the Las Vegas Raiders. So now Aaron Rodgers did not have his number one option anymore, and it definitely showed in this game. Now, statistically-wise, Aaron Rodgers did not have a bad game. He went 22 for 34, 195 yards with one pick, no touchdowns, obviously. Not having a touchdown was huge in this game. But on the opposite side, for Minnesota, starting quarterback Kirk Cousins, he had himself a day as Kirk Cousins went 23 for 32, 277 yards passing with two touchdowns and only was sacked once. So Minnesota's offensive line is looking very good with uh, second-year offensive uh, offensive tackle Christian Darisol, who was their first-round pick last year. Now, for Minnesota offensively, we need to talk about Justin Jefferson. Now, Justin Jefferson has emerged as one of the best wide receivers in all of the NFL. And in this game, he absolutely exploded on the Green Bay Packers. He had nine receptions for 184 yards receiving with two touchdowns. And also, not to mention, he had 150 of those yards in the first half. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson had himself a day. And on the opposite side, Green Bay... They only had 260 yards receiving total throughout their whole team, so definitely was not the best day for the Green Bay Packers offensively, but ultimately Minnesota would take this game from Green Bay 23-7 as it now improves Minnesota to 1-0 on the season, and Green Bay falls to 0-1 and will look to find answers next week against the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football. Now the next afternoon slate or late afternoon game slate that I want to talk about is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Glendale, Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this matchup also kind of similar to the whole Green Bay situation. You know, Kansas City, they lost their star wide receiver one due to a trade. They sent Tyree Kill to Miami due to just cap reasons and everything like that. But, you know, I kind of when I listened to the uh, broadcast on CBS, it did make a lot of sense. You know, Kansas City's trying to line up in more two tight end sets, three tight end sets, rather than always having three wide receivers. So, but anyway, and then on the flip side of the argument, Arizona, they're also without their star wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, who was out the first six six uh, weeks of the season due to a, a positive PED test. So that's huge for Kyler Murray. And once again, it definitely showed in this game as well because Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, they rolled over the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Patrick Mahomes, personally himself, he only threw nine incomplete passes, and those nine incomplete passes weren't even bad passes. So on the day, Patrick Mahomes, he was 30 for 39, 360 yards passing with five touchdowns with zero sacks. So Kansas City's offensive line, despite losing their star right guard Andre Smith, had a very solid day. Now on the flip side, Kyler Murray statistically was not horrible. He, had, he went 22 for 34, 193 yards passing with two interceptions and was only sacked twice. Now, statistically, you know, it doesn't always tell you the full story of the game. You know, he did have a couple very bad reads and some very bad passes. But at the same time, it seemed like Arizona Cardinal wide receivers could get no separation off of Kansas City's secondary. And when you look at the rushing yards in this game, wasn't really a huge factor for both teams. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was, I mean, he had an okay day. He had seven carries for 42 yards rushing, nothing big. But you have to look at the receiving stats by Kansas City in this game, and that will really tell you the full story because Travis Kelsey once again proved why he is the best tight end in all of football as he had eight receptions for 121 yards uh, receiving with one touchdown. So this was his 37th career game with 100-plus yards receiving, 
which is just absolutely insane. He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer at the end of the day. And then on the opposite side, uh, Hollywood Brown was pretty much non-existent in this game. He did have a touchdown reception, but he went, but he had four receptions for only 43 yards, with one of them being the his longest, which was 26 yards. So, not a very great debut for Marquise Brown in Arizona, but nothing less. We kind of all expected Kansas City probably to dominate this game, and that is exactly what they did as they would go on to beat the Arizona Cardinals 44-21. Now, guys, let's move over onto the third game of this late-slash-early-evening slate of games, and we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the... Uh, yeah, I had so many loss. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, for Las Vegas, you know, we just got done talking about Green Bay losing their star wide receiver. Now, Devontae Adams, he got traded to Las Vegas in the offseason. And this was huge, and I mean huge for the Raiders. As, you know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, who is the current Raiders starting quarterback, both played their college football at Fresno State. They were teammates. They had some crazy statistical games with each other while they were in college. So this was a reunion that I'm pretty sure a lot of us knew was going to eventually happen. So it did happen. And obviously, the connection was definitely there as, you know, Devontae Adams definitely had an absolute breakout game with Las Vegas. He picked right up where he did in Green Bay as he had 10 receptions for 141 yards receiving with one touchdown. Now for Derek Carr, he made a lot of mistakes in this game as he threw three interceptions, but he did have a overall not a horrible game excuse me as he had 22 catches for 37 or he had or he went 22 for 37 with 295 yards passing with two touchdowns and then those three picks that I just mentioned now when we go to Los Angeles they themselves had a fantastic offseason kind of similar to Philadelphia in this where they overall upgraded their team immensely and when I say immensely I mean immensely. Now, mostly the defense was kind of the focus in the offseason. They went out and got interception leader J.C. Jackson from the Patriots. They went out and traded for uh, all-pro edge rusher Khalil Mack. And overall, I mean, this team is just – they easily should be a Super Bowl favorite, and they proved it exactly in this game against their AFC West foe, the Vegas Raiders. Now, Justin Herbert, who is arguably one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, had himself an absolutely brilliant day. He made a couple few – pretty amazing passes I know one of them was a Gerald Everett kind of on the sideline which was going he was literally running to his left threw from his right and then threw it for a touchdown but anyway Justin Herbert was 26 for 34 on the day with 279 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions and sacks so shout out to the Chargers offensive line for absolutely being dominant in this game against a pretty solid Las Vegas Raiders defensive line that consists of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones but anyway, when you look at the receiving core in this game, definitely, you know, all around, Los Angeles did have a very, you know, couple good, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, contributors, so to speak. Now, Keenan Allen, despite him having four receptions for 66 yards on the day, he would eventually be out of the game after he suffered an injury. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember he was out of the game with an injury. And then on, and then also Mike Williams, the number two for the Chargers. He didn't have the the best day at all. He only had two receptions for ten yards, so not his best game ever. But Los Angeles, they're looking definitely, and I mean definitely, his team not to be want to mess with at all. Because Khalil Mack, he made a huge contribution to this Chargers defense as he had himself a great day. As he had six total tackles, five of those be, being solo. He had three sacks on the day with three tackles for loss. So yeah. Khalil Mack is a beast, and he still has it in him. I know a lot of people were kind of doubting it, but 
Yeah, he's he's still definitely a beast. So, but anyway, the Los Angeles Chargers would go on to beat the Las Vegas Raiders, twenty-four to nineteen. Now, guys, the final game of our uh, late afternoon, early evening period, were the New York Giants traveling to Nashville, Tennessee, to take on the Tennessee Titans. Now, for most people, and myself included. We full-heartedly expected Tennessee to win this game. You know, they got Derrick Henry. He's healthy. He's definitely going to be a workhorse for them. But we also have to remember that they lost A.J. Brown to a trade. You know, they have Robert Woods, but he's still kind of recovering from a horrible ACL injury. And then on the flip side, New York finally has Saquon Barkley Barkley healthy. You know, uh, Daniel Jones literally just got his fifth-year option declined. So So the New York Giants had a lot more to prove, and they really didn't have... An incredible amount to lose in this game. Tennessee had all the world because Ryan Tannehill, especially, he needed to improve himself, or he needed to prove himself that he deserves to continue to be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Now, this game, for the most part, it looked like it was going to go Tennessee's way, especially at halftime when the Titans led the Giants 13 to zero. But in the second half, it was a completely different ball game. Now, Daniel Jones, New York Giants starting quarterback, he went 17 for 21, 188 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception, despite being sacked uh, five times. And then on the flip side, Ryan Tannehill for the Tennessee Titans, he went 20 for 33, 266 yards passing with two touchdowns and only one sack. So not honest, honestly not a horrible game by Ryan Tannehill. And then rushing-wise, we need to definitely shout out Saquon Barkley, who you know, after tearing his ACL against the Chicago Bears last season, he's finally back and healthy. And man, did we get a lot of glimpse of the old Saquon Barkley. As for the first time since early 20, uh, 2019, he rushed for 100 plus, 100 plus yards. Because in this game, he had 18 carries for 164 yards and one touchdown. With one of them being a long 68-yard uh, run. So... It was great seeing Saquon Barkley finally healthy, and I know definitely the New York Giants were glad to see him healthy as well. Now, Derrick Henry didn't have himself a bad game at all. He had 21 carries for 82 yards with no touchdowns, but, you know, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, he's he's still going to put numbers up regardless. Now, on the receiving side of the game, not too much happened at all. Sterling Shepard led the New York Giants in receiving as he had two receptions for 71 yards with one touchdown. And then for Tennessee, their young, uh, their young rookie and first-round pick in this past year's draft, uh, Traylon Burks, he had three receptions for 55 yards. So, not a horrible game for him at all. So, but anyway, despite that, New York, New York, New York would eventually make the Tennessee Titans have to have to make a game-winning field goal in the last seconds of the game, which ultimately Tennessee would miss. So the Giants would go on to beat the Tennessee Titans 21 to 20, and what was a great comeback win for the Giants. Now, finally, to wrap up this Super Sunday of NFL Week 1, we have to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Arlington, Texas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And boy, if y'all watch this game, (laughs) get prepared for us to talk a lot about some of the huge factors that happened in this game. Now, honestly, I think a lot of us knew that Tampa Bay would probably end up winning this game. They went out and got Julio Jones in free agency. Tom Brady magically came back out of retirement and pretty much attracted every single free agent to come to Tampa Bay. And then on the flip side, you know, Dallas traded away Amari Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory, who was their star edge rusher last season to Denver. And overall, it was kind of one of those years where we didn't know really exactly what to expect out of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, to start off the game... Dallas had a pretty solid drive, you know, despite not being able to score a touchdown. They did at least get a field goal in the first drive. And that would be the only points the Cowboys scored the entire 
entire game. Dak was even shaky that first drive, and his inconsistencies would only continue throughout the rest of the game. Now, I don't want to con- I don't want to only put blame on Dak because once again, there was a lot of more. You know, there's a lot of other reasons why Dak did not play the way that a lot of people expected him to, whether that be some wide receivers not getting separation, his O line making a lot of costly mistakes, and um. Uh, excuse me, not picking up their man. But at the same time, we do need to recognize the fact that Dak Prescott struggled heavily when it came to making accurate passes and not throwing behind a lot of his receivers because that's what we saw a lot of today. CeeDee Lamb looked absolutely frustrated with how Dak Prescott was playing. A lot of the receivers never even had a chance because the ball was so underthrown. And it kind of begs a question that a lot of us were kind of asking ourselves in the offseason as Cowboy fans, you know, is there something serious going on with Dak Prescott in his shoulder because – you know, the Jones, the Cowboys, everything like that. They try to push it off as, you know, Dak's fine, you know, everything's okay, he's healthy, yada, yada, yada. But when you watch this game, he didn't look healthy. He looked like he was scared to get hit. And, you know, most of the time when someone is scared to get hit, nine times out of ten, they're probably injured in some area that's going to be very vulnerable. And that's kind of what it looked like tonight when Dak played. Now, I'm not going to make excuses for him. He had a horrible game. Now, statistically, it makes it look better than he actually played as Dak went 14 for 29 for 134 passing yards with one interception with and two sacks, which feels like he got sacked about 15 times, but apparently he only got sacked twice. Now, definitely, if you watched probably the first three quarters, Dak, I think it only completed less than 10 passes the whole game, and a lot of these passes were like five-yard checkdowns. They were nothing huge at all, and unfortunately... In the fourth quarter, Dak Prescott would eventually get his hand pretty much hit by another opponent's hand, and I guess it somehow broke something in his hand. So Dak Prescott will be out the next several weeks with some type of hand injury. He's going to have to get surgery. This is all according to Jerry Jones the night of the game. So pretty unfortunate news for Dallas Cowboys. And now definitely you have to ask the question, who's going to be the quarterback going forward because Dak Prescott probably won't be back for a while. You know, the Cowboys play Cincinnati this week. I mean, it's just it's there's just a lot of concern right now in Dallas. And not to add on top of that, Ezekiel Elliott didn't even have that bad of a game. He averaged five yards a carry as he had ten carries for fifty two yards. Uh Tony Pollard was pretty much non existent in this game as he had six carries for eight yards. And, you know, overall this Dallas Cowboys offense was pretty non existent and you know, to add on top of that, CeeDee Lamb, who is the Cowboys' number one option at receiver, he only had two receptions for 29 yards. And, I mean, I don't really want to put a lot of blame on him because he didn't get a lot of the targets that he definitely deserved. But at the same time, there were some, you know, sometimes he just got no separation off of Tampa Bay's secondary. And then to add on top of that, I don't think Dak also had a lot of time with how poor, and I mean how poorly the right side excluding Zach Martin of the Cowboys offensive line played, especially like the interiors for both sides. I mean, Tyler Smith, you know, the Dallas Cowboys first round uh, pick this year, he didn't look that bad at all. He pretty much held his ground against guys like Shaquille Barrett and, uh, and Akeem Hicks. So not a bad game by him at all, but there still needs to be a lot of improvements. Terrence still, he absolutely struggled. He had at least, I think, five penalties, which were all in pretty much the same quarter. So, there's just a lot of uncertainty right now in Dallas, and I know Cowboy fans are definitely upset, and they have a right to be. I mean, this was a very bad game, and they just absolutely did not show up. And I don't want to only talk about Dallas in this, but I don't think it's being emphasized just you know, how poor this game was for the Cowboys. I mean, Trayvon Diggs, who just got off an all-pro Pro Bowl season last year, I mean, he was getting burnt, and I mean 
burnt by the secondary, or not the secondary. He was getting burnt by Tampa Bay's wide receivers. So, but anyway, let's talk about Tampa Bay and the things that they actually did right in this game. You know, Tom Brady definitely did not play like Tom Brady, but he played good enough to where obviously they would end up beating the Cowboys as he went 18 for 27, 212 passing yards, one touchdown, and one just weird interception that he pretty much threw at the ground but ended up in a linebacker's hands. Now, anyway, Tampa Bay, when it came to rushing, that was kind of their bread and butter in this game. Uh, Leonard Fournette absolutely balled out. We definitely got playoff Lenny in the season opener as Leonard Fournette rushed for 21 carries for 127 rushing yards with a long of 17. So he was a very consistent runner in this game, averaging almost dang near 10 yards a carry. So very solid game for Leonard. And then even receiving, Mike Evans absolutely had himself a game as well as he had five receptions for 71 yards receiving and one touchdown, which was an absolutely amazing touchdown catch he one-handed it and there's an insane picture going on like all around instagram twitter and everything like that and it is just so insane how he caught that ball and then another word for tampa bay fans is kind of injury bug that this, this seems to be hitting them right now because as we all know their offensive line was pretty much patched with a lot of band-aids and donovan smith donovan, donovan smith and tristan Wirfs, who are both their tackles were at least the ones that kind of seemed to be consistent now unfortunately Donovan Smith early on in the game would go down with the injury and he would not return. So definitely is going to have to beg a lot of questions. Could we potentially see Tampa Bay go and possibly trade for a lineman? Because, you know, Tristan Wirth right now is their only, you know, uh, starting lineman that they had at the beginning of the season before, you know, Alex Kappa would go to the Bengals. Ali Marpet would end up uh, retiring. And then you had um, uh, Jensen, who, who also was dealing with a very bad injury as well. So, there's a lot of uncertainties in Tampa Bay, but overall in this game, their defensive their defense was absolutely spectacular. They, I mean, they bull rushed the absolute life out of Dallas's O line, and they proved why they are one of the teams that you do not want to mess with in the NFC. Once again, injuries are still kind of a concern, but nothing less. Very solid game by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But anyway, as that wraps up Sunday, let's finish off this beautiful NFL Week One talking about the Denver Broncos traveling up to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks, which also just so happens to be Russell Wilson's first game back in Seattle and also his first game as a member of the Denver Broncos. Now, this game, it definitely started out very high energy. Pretty much all of Seattle and all of its fans were pretty much booing the absolute life out of Russell Wilson the second he exited out of the visitors' away, the visitors tunnel. And you could tell from that moment on, the energy in this game was going to be different. And the 12s, like the Seahawks fans always like to say, were absolutely in effect tonight because the first drive that Geno Smith, the new starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks and his teammates, the second they stepped on the field, they absolutely balled out. Geno Smith had himself a day as he went 23 for 28, 195 yards passing with two touchdowns. I mean, he he looked very good. And I know that a lot of people really kind of gave a lot of crud to Pete Carroll and all the whole Seahawks organization for starting Geno Smith over Drew Locke. But after watching this first game that he played against Denver, I mean, there's an absolute reason why they decided to start the veteran over kind of the not-yet-proven soon to be veteran and drew Locke. now on the flip side for russell wilson you know this is there's probably a lot of emotions going through his head he's going back to the city that he literally won his first super first and only super bowl with you know he had a lot of unforgettable moments with them you know honestly it, it had to have been tough for him 
But at the same time, he knew that they were definitely going to be on him because now he was not decking the neon green and blue, so he had to do something. So in this game, Russell Wilson did play very solid. I mean, statistically and on the field, he went 29 for 42, 340 yards passing with one touchdown. And, I mean, you know, his first touchdown as a member of the Denver Broncos was a pretty good touchdown pass because him and Jerry Judy connected for a 60-yard bomb, which Jerry Judy in this game, the former first-round uh, first pick of the Denver Broncos back in 2020, he had himself a day as well as he had four receptions for 102 yards receiving and one touchdown. And you're also wondering, you know, how did Cortland Sutton, you know, the presumed wide receiver one for the Denver Broncos do? And he did pretty well in himself as well. He had four receptions for 72 yards as well, but no touchdowns. But, I mean, honestly, you know, when you look at the stats-wise, Denver really should have run away with this game. But the main thing that killed the Broncos and all of the momentum that they had in this game, when it seemed like there was kind of points where it definitely did look like uh, Denver was just going to absolutely run away with this game, was penalties. That offensive line, they could not stop just giving up just ridiculous penalties. And that ultimately is what costed Denver the game, as well as Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, the dual-headed dual-headed running back uh, running back committee that the Denver Broncos have as they both fumbled the football on the one-yard line in the red zone. Yeah, it was not a good day if you were a, a Denver Bronco running back because apparently you could just you just could not hold on to the football, and that honestly costed them the game because that should have been two touchdowns, which would have won them the game in this instance. And then not to you know not to add salt onto the wound, but at the end of the game, instead of deciding to go for it on fourth and uh, pretty short at about the fifth, you know, little bit behind the 50-yard line, Nathaniel Hackett, the new defense, uh, the new uh, Denver Broncos head coach, decided, you know what, we'll just kick a field goal. And I understand that Brandon McManus, the uh, the Broncos kicker, has a pretty solid leg, but in that instance, you're gonna want to at least tempt it because you know. It's, it's kind of a reach to want to kick it from about 65 yards away. And even if you have a great kicker like Justin Tucker and everything like that, there's got to be a lot of reluctance. But he decided to take a chance. And ultimately, Brandon McManus would barely miss the left upright, which would give the Seattle Seahawks the 17-16 victory over the Denver Broncos. And Bronco fans, there's nothing really to hold y'all's head on at all in this game because you kind of saw Bradley Chubb have a reemergence as well because he had two he had two sacks on the day, and we started to see a lot of his 2018 rookie season self. And it's definitely something to look forward to. And, I mean, overall... The, the Broncos' defense was not horrible by any means. They gave up a lot of kind of senseless penalties. Patrick Sertan kind of struggled a little bit in coverage today, but overall was not too bad. But ultimately, that was not enough, and those mistakes definitely costed the Broncos as the Seattle Seahawks would go on to beat the Denver, Denver Broncos in Russell Wilson's debut and his return to Seattle 17-16 to in favor of the Seahawks. So, Anyway, guys, I hope you all absolutely enjoyed this week one recap of the NFL. I know it was definitely a little bit longer than most recaps. Hopefully they won't be as long next time, but there was so much information to go about talking about this week and the, just recapping all the information. And, guys, I thank you for sticking around if you stuck through the whole episode. And, guys, make sure to check out uh, Wednesday's preview for NFL week two. We got a lot of great matchups. We, most importantly, you got the Tennessee Titans taking on the Buffalo Bills. You've got the uh, Minnesota Vikings going to Philadelphia. It's going to be a very interesting weekend for sure for football, whether we're talking about college football or NFL. But anyway, guys, I thank you all again for seriously listening to the, the episode. I hope you all absolutely enjoyed it as much as I, record, much, as much as I enjoyed recording it for you all. But anyway, guys, I will see you all back here tomorrow with another episode. So peace, guys, and have a great night. Thank you.